Welcome to On A Tangent Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm sitting here with my co-host, Beth, Hello. once again. We're not really sitting together because we're quarantined, but, you know, in spirit. <laughs> okay. And, and today, we're going to take on a topic that um, we both find very interesting. Uh, if you made it through all three episodes of our Midsummer. uh episodes, you will notice that we did speak about um, necropants quite a few times, and uh, so we decided to do a whole episode themed on that. Um, so, to get started, Beth, tell me a nice and quick story about necropants. What are they? How do I get them? How do you get them? Okay, so if I could answer that question, we would be having better lives, both of us. But... Essentially, my understanding is necropants is the skinned bottom half of another person, like including genitals, including the bottom of their feet, as complete as humanly possible. And uh, you wear them as pants yourself, and it's supposed to bring you some kind of luck or money or something. It's like magic. It is magic. <laughs> it's Icelandic <laughs> magic. You, Yeah, you're... Um... Your quick and dirty necropant uh, drive-by was spot on. Um, it's it's complicated, so let me tell you how to get necropants. Perfect. You have to, number one, you you have to be a man. Oh. And then you have to ask a man if you can use his skin as pants. Um, you then have to wait until he dies. Assuming he agrees. You have to wait until he dies. You have to wait until he's buried. And then you have to dig him up. Uh, then you have to flay the skin off the back or the bottom of his body. Genitalia included. And uh, insert into the scrotum a stolen coin. One you've stolen from a poor old widow. Which is rude as hell. And a little sigil scribbled on a piece of paper. Um that is like a fancy money pants sigil essentially uh you put those in the scrotum and then it goes to say that the scrotum will never be empty as long as you never take out the first coin um that sounds like a weird parable about not masturbating the scrotum will never be empty now you've taken out the first coin <laughs> unless you take out that first coin don't you do it <laughs> those those coins are for your wife <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, so there are some legends that say that once you, like, put the pants on, they, like, meld to your own skin and become part of your body, and so they can never be taken off or used by another person. Um, but there are other, um, myths that say that you can totally take them off, but you gotta have that other person right next to you, and they, like, immediately have to jump in as you come out of them, um, for them to keep working. Like a hand-me-down. <laughs> It can just never be empty. The ball sack must be oh. warm. Oh God! <laughs> unless you unless you have no male heirs, in which case your daughter can't put it on. So those pants are going with you. Um, is this the patriarchy? It is. Ugh. This is the birth. This is the birthplace of it right here. <laughs> I want my own scrotum money pants. Thank you. Oh. So there's a story, there is a story of, um, so there's no actual evidence these ever existed or if anyone ever actually used them ever on the face of the planet. However, <laughs> there is a tale in like this like coastal Icelandic town, which is probably all Icelandic town, so that I'm actually thinking about it, um, where like this old man, like his wife died and his kids, like I th if he had any, they weren't near and if he didn't, it's because his wife died. And so he was like this old miserly old man or whatever, and he ended up crafting a pair of pants and put them on and like disappeared into his hut, like never to be seen again. And they said that like when he died, they found him with like all kinds of money and they just assumed it was the necro pants. So I love that they saw him crafting these pants and they asked no questions. We don't know where the pants came from. We don't know anything about it. It seems very unlikely to me that somebody consented, but all right. 
I don't know. Maybe he had like a like an other best friend who also didn't have a family or a wife, and maybe they had like a mutual pact. Like, dude, if I go first, take them, and if I, you go first, I'll take them. And then I asked you Steven. can't kill the other person. So I asked. I asked and, Stephen if I can make necropants if he died first, and he gave me a hard no. I mean, that's fair. I don't feel like it is fair. Well, you're not... Here, here's the thing, though. It's like, you're not a male sorcerer, so it's not going to work anyway. So then you're just like that crazy old lady who skinned her husband. But you're making a lot of assumptions. This could be our generation's, like, rose for Emily. I could turn into a lovable figure. You don't know. No. I don't think that's how this is going to go go for you. <laughs> so heartless. And, I like I like that you you know I like that you have that silver lining that it could but it won't. What if I put I pockets appre- on it? I can. Ap- <laughs> the only way a woman gets pockets. Exactly. I believe in me, Samantha. I do. No, but you you know that the pockets in necropants would be shitty pockets. Probably literally. You have a ball pocket and you have like a butthole pocket. And yeah, these are not no, satisfactory. I. I would rather have those crappy pockets that I already have on my work pants where, like, the back ones are literally just sewn shut and there's no pocket to speak of. And then the front ones are only big enough to put, like, three quarters of the length of my fingertips inside of them. Yeah, they're really, like, pockets in name only, not function. Yeah. Which is so it's trash. I'm gonna... We're making a whole podcast on what happened to pockets. I know! I feel cheated! I can't even get. I can't even give you like a, a bright side to it because there's not. We I, just don't get pockets. I'm just offended because I saw the imagery when I was looking up necro pants online, and they did have the imagery of the reproduction. And I'm like, how can you call it a reproduction if nobody's ever seen them and they don't exist? No, we had this conversation because remember I told you there are replicas of the Millennium Falcon, but there's never been a real Millennium Falcon built. And I'm as offended now as I was when you said that to me the first time. It's like people that build replicas of Noah's Ark. They can't actually find the original Noah's Ark. So is it really a replica? You had to choose an example that I have to shoot down, huh? You did. Yeah. I did, yeah. You did. Okay, valid point. I accept this. I just want to know, like... Are we doing meaningful coins? Are we doing Sacagaweas or something? Or are these going to be like, it's a penny penis pocket? Because I'm genuinely not motivated by that. I want at least quarters. I mean, yeah, I would. I mean, I don't think we have a, I don't think we have a say, but if we're uh, playing in the imaginary world of Icelandic sorcery, like, yeah, they're going to be dollar coins at least. <laughs> okay. I at least feel better about that. That, that I makes mean, actually, me more comfortable. Our luck, what would happen is we would do it and we would get coins, but they would be like ancient Icelandic coins, which are worth shit. I feel like they'd be worth a lot right now, no? Like Maybe. like the balloons. Gold doubloons. Yeah. Yeah, but what if it's not? What if it's like, oh, here's this piece of cow dung that we petrified and then carved some guy's name into? I still think it would be cool, but granted, I would be disappointed. It really depends on the era of coin that we're looking at. I, I mean, I accept it. I'm just disappointed. I, also, I feel like you'd have to keep a friend that is way fatter than you for you to be able to climb inside their skin. Well, and that was the other thing I was thinking about is like, if you're the smaller friend, the necropants are going to fall off of you. If you're the bigger friend, you're not going to wear those necropants. Maybe there's like, you know, like the Edgine nipple belt. Maybe there's some sort of version of for suspenders. <laughs> Where you just like kind of like cut a like cut down the leg and like insert like uh, track pants, so it's like a track pant human pant hybrid. Yeah, I mean yes, but I feel like really if we were gonna make these, we're not gonna make these. Whoever our FBI agents are, but if we were gonna make these, wouldn't chaps be easier? Yeah, you know, would be easier. My my gut instinct is to hurt you by saying no. Even though it's a lie? But the seamstress in me says, yes. I like that you're that spiteful, that it's a constant war for you. No, my initial reaction is, no. That's so hateful. I respect it. Jeez. Why are you so obsessed with chaps, Beth? So, like, how come 
American history doesn't have anything cool. Like, we don't have necropants. We've got nothing crafty. I mean, if I want to be real inflammatory, I feel like um, by the time people got to America, we weren't really interested in cool folklore. We just... Yeah, we got shitty, like, Puritan stuff, huh? Yeah, we got a a rock that we ran into and then eventually we got a tree with a word scrawled into it and a bunch of missing people but that's kind of the end of american folklore i love that whole krakatoa thing i mean it's it's really not like i think that i this is interesting it ties into kind of a theme that we're gonna play with not in this episode but i think a lot of american folklore is actually modern like cryptozoology modern conspiracy theories like is Sasquatch not folkloric? Is, like, Champ from, like, Lake Champlain not folkloric, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, it's just a different interpretation, I guess. Like, is Skinwalker Ranch and the whole story about whatever the hell is going on out there just not our American version of werewolves from Europe? Well, and we have all the weird, like, hitchhiking ghost stories, too. Oh, yeah. I, I I think, you know, if we want to look at, if we want to compare Iceland to America, like, our American folklore has to be more modern. It's, we're a more modern country. There's lots of rich indigenous folklore that I would love to do episodes on. I think they're amazing. I think they're so fascinating. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't uh, done anything yet to uh, research or bring any anything of actual use to that conversation. That would be cool, though. I don't, American, I don't know a lot With American folklore. Yeah. No, it, I, I've read some pretty cool stuff. Um, there's some tie-ins to uh, air quotes, modern American folklore. As I'll, that's how I'm, bra- I'm rebranding conspiracy theories. <laughs> modern American folklore. So, I... (laughs) I like necropants. I like the idea of necropants. Um, It says a lot about human beings. Uh, One, it's one of the few-ish times I've ever heard of, like, body parts being utilized in some sort of ritual practice. Uh, Literally, it's Icelandic sorcery. It's like... There's books on Icelandic sorcery where they talk about the nabrok, which are necropants. Um, it also ties into something Beth is also fond of, uh, collecting human trophies or collecting body parts or doing whatever with body parts. Um, there's lots of reasons why we do that as a society. Um, the first one, which ties into the whole idea of necropants in the beginning, is used in ritual practices. We have utilized, and by we, I'm royal, every human being on earth, we have a history of using uh, human body, human body parts in ritual sacrifices, like these donated half body pants. And uh, there's some practices, ritual practices that utilize hair, nails, um, can utilize teeth or blood. Um, one of the most common practices though is human sacrifice. Um, and that's something that's like human sacrifice is something that, uh, we've, we've once again been doing, uh, ritually for a really long time. Um, there's a few instances of using human remains in ritual practice that I want to introduce right now so we can kind of talk about it. Uh, The first one, um, I found this really interesting, out of Japan. Um, It's called Hitobashira. I hope I pronounced that right, and I apologize if I didn't. I thought you were bold for just going for it. There was no hesitation there. I can't explain how much I practiced the... (laughs) There's a lot of words in here that are very difficult, and I, I practiced a lot, and I used Google. Um, so Hitobashira actually means human pillar, and um, it is the practice of burying maidens to protect special buildings. So um, most, a lot of older, more ancient cultures um, took part 
and inhuman sacrifices and some of the people that were the most common to be sacrificed were actually maidens so you can think of like vestal virgins or sun maidens or like maidens of athena if you're thinking of like greek stuff um they utilize it in central and south america um and in japan and so what they would do is to protect the buildings or your town from predators like animals from invasions from other human beings from famine to protect crops for good crops um they would bury these kind of venerated women usually virgins on the property of these buildings how did they kill them to protect them you know i could not find any information on how they died maybe it's just like a literary reference Perhaps I mean there because there's a, another similar uh, situation. I actually think from around a similar time in history, and they utilize like alcohol and like other plants that would put the people in um, like altered states of consciousness. So they would usually succumb to elements or fall asleep and just not wake up. Um, I didn't see anything that uh, specifically notated any sort of animated means of death um or you know any instances of like burying them alive i so i did read that with the uh the children that were sacrificed i don't remember what country to be perfectly blunt but i saw it in a museum they were little kid uh mummies that were bound in a specific way yes that is actually my second example is the children of yuya yako um so they uncovered three mummies. So the, the area you're thinking of is located on the border of Chile and Argentina up in the Andes Mountains. Um, they found three mummies sacrificed from around, at around 1500. Um, so these mummies, there was a 15-year-old female. She's known as the... I've now forgotten this... Uh, the actual way they they say her name Uh, but it means the maiden and so they are suggesting what they think from her is that she was also much like those maidens that were buried in japan she was kind of buried um she was buried alive but she was kind of part of this group of women um from you know the women of children of like nobility and like high-ranking families within the civilization um but she was like kept in kind of this area where they were like exalted virgins, exalted maidens. They would help with temple blessings. Um, They would end up being the wives of kings and civic leaders, and they would also be part of the sacrifice. Um, What they used to do is actually the the sacrificial people were were always children, and they would pick the children from like the most successful families, the most venerated families, the most important families, and they would pick children that looked perfect because these children were gifts. And the belief was that they wouldn't actually die the way we think of death, but they would es- essentially, after their death, they would become kind of these like almost like patrons of the area in which they died. And they would protect and and help that area grow and and flourish so it was a positive thing like if your name was called you're going to be excited yes yes it was very much it was something that you know if your family was called to sacrifice like this this 15 year old girl like that was something that her family would have seen as a huge honor because their daughter was being asked to essentially live on forever as the patron of the area she was she died in um the other two mummies they found were a six-year-old female and a seven-year-old male um, they were found in 1999, so we've. I'm sure that if anybody looks for the children of Yuyayako, it's spelt with L's because it's Southern America, it's from South America. Um, you can find pictures of them. They literally look like they're sleeping. That's the one that um, I've seen. They they look. Yeah. It's very strange because it's not mummies like I generally think of it. No, no. And and it's that's honestly, that's all climate. So um, all three children, they found high levels of coca and alcohol in their system. 
Um, so that was used to put them in an altered state so they weren't um, really coherent at the time. And then they would kind of dig these little holes in the ground. I don't know how many, how deep, how many feet down or whatever. Um, and the children would just sit in them and would fall asleep and expire due to either the temperature or, you know, because of how much they gave them, they would naturally just kind of cease to, to be alive. Um, the female, the older female and the, and the male are actually on display. Um, at like the high altitude archaeological museum somewhere because they were kept at such a high altitude that it's so dry and so cold it's like if you were to age a steak it just leaches all of the water out of the body but leaves all of the the muscle there so they they do they just look like they're sleeping the maiden's hair is still braided um the little boy he's actually he's the one that's tied up a little bit and they think he that may have caused some issues with his respiration so it may have caused him to expire faster Mm -hmm. um the little girl the six-year-old is not on display her body actually was struck by lightning long after her death so she so she's damaged um, so I guess she's being kept in like a temperature controlled area within the museum so they can continue studying. They've done CAT scans and all kinds of different scans, MRIs to look at them to, to see what's going on in their bodies. And um, it looks like they all had full dinners and they've had like um, the chemical analysis on their hair, which does show that like the oldest female, the maiden, had a much larger amount of the coca and the alcohol, um, even in her hair shaft, like way more than they've ever found in any human sacrifices from that area and from that time. Um, so the thought is like she was probably taking these things for a while as part of ritual. And then at the final one, they just really gave it to her. Um, she was much bigger than the two children that they found. So I could see how that would be totally something they would have to do. Um, it's not like they had measurements or anything. I'm glad to know that it was fairly gentle, though, because it's always alarming to see when it is kind of a violent death and they're so little, you know? Yeah, and, and that's the thing is is part of part of that sacrifice and that, that ritual is that it is supposed to be a venerated, peaceful kind of transition from being an, an alive human being to now being this kind of... Um, spiritual protector of of the area. Now, unfortunately, when we talk about archaeology, we can't not talk about um, issues that can arise with archaeology. There's a lot of questions now about like how old is old enough to dick up a person. Um, it does get weird. Which is a, it does because like if I were to say like oh these kids were sacrificed about two thousand years ago like Egyptian mummies, your brain doesn't even think oh that's not okay like oh of course that's okay that's just a dead body that's just a dead mummy like I don't I don't think about it, and now you know, I think as a society we're getting a little bit smarter about things and archaeologists are getting a little more, you know. Uh, they care a little bit more, I think, a little bit. So after these kids were dug up, this was in 99. This is a little bit before the conversation started happening about what is ethical and, and not ethical in terms of digging up human remains. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually currently a, a big drama going on with the Indigenous Association of Argentina um, they are calling for the museum to return the mummies. And I, I get their point. Um, the, the, the museum is like, oh, well, we don't want to give these back, but we promise we won't dig any more up. Um, but the, the Indigenous Association of Argentina, um, they call these mummies excavation, their removal, their removal and their public display disrespectful solely on the grounds that Yuyayaco as an actual area of the Argentinian and Chile Chilean border is still venerated by the descendants of those peoples. Oh, I can kind of see that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and the way I was, I was explaining it to, to Austin, you know, kind of going over these notes and I was like, it, it feels very similar to like, you know, 
something similar. If we are, you know, if they're building that terrible Dakota pipeline or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And they unearth somebody's remains from one of the indigenous peoples that live where they're building that pipeline, like, that's not okay. That's, you know, an, an, an alive person's deceased family member, you're not allowed to do that. And so, like, I don't really see a difference between... I mean, it's still venerate. It's not like these are a peoples that have disappeared off the face of the earth, and it's all we have left to figure out how they live. Like they're they're actively still practicing some sort of ritual that has ties to this these children, and some archaeologists just waltzed up and took them. Yeah, that gets super prickly. I can see why that's a moral issue. I I think it just gets weird because there's a lot of different practices that I can't I can't quite think of the term because it's not that they don't venerate in the same way but there's a lot of things where putting them in the ground is final so like we do um, like in Catholicism they have the pieces of the saints and everything and that it's not considered disrespectful for them to be disinterred so long as they are treated and held and kept in a venerated environment you know Right, right, and I and I get that, and I and I that brings me to you know for talking about human trophies. We've talked about using human bodies and rituals. So the next part is there are countries that just keep body parts as you know items to venerate to they consider holy. They consider them blessed, um, like you said with Catholicism. They're every major what is it a church? Um, every every major one has literal relics of the saints that you know the church belongs to the church um identifies with and the same is said for like buddhist temples um you know austin walked through a a buddhist temple um like procession uh, when they were building a new temple and he was carrying like this really ornate kind of cone structure um and inside it was like this glass cage that held a vial that held a small fragment of a bone from Buddha. And so he carried that in the procession. It's actually built into one of the big, like really ornate structures on the top of, of the, um, the Watt. So there, there's lots of different cultures. And I mean, even modern, I, I know from like personal experience, I've seen modern, modern, applications of using family members remains in a veneration sort of way as a reminder um you've got um some different people you have the agori out of india that actually like will um walk around like charnel grounds they um will smear or write things on their skin in the cremains of people that have been laid to rest um they will use the skulls that are left over to create bowls that they use in their magical practices their their practices are not in line with orthodox hinduism uh but they're 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 still using those human parts in a way to continue to honor the people that have died in the river they're using it to uh continue to pay homage to the people that have come before them yeah i watched a documentary Um, on them it sounds really macabre and spooky and um disrespectful but a lot of their rationalizations kind of make sense it's an inversion of the societal taboos and their religious taboos yeah and that's not that's not necessarily something I, i don't think that's something that's uncommon with um like more western religious ideals either um you know people if we want to there's a whole whole conversation we can have about this idea of um modern magical practitioners and you know if i do something bad does it come back to me and it turns out that uh in that community everyone's a shade of gray and they're all just doing what they can do their best to uh, get to the same end goal 
<laughs> you know? And so I, I feel like that's a very similar kind of idea. Like the Aghori uh, don't run in line with the traditional Hinduism as like you or I would have learned it or or most people that practice Hinduism actually practice it, but they are doing their own specific ritual uh, to to continue that that same idea. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and then the, the other reason that we keep human body parts or what we do with human body parts is for trophy collecting. Uh, trophy collecting, for the most part, is a power grab. So the collector is exerting and showing their power of the collected. Uh, you have instances out of Vietnam where GIs would cut the ears off of the people they killed so they could get back to base and show how many people they had killed. Um, we have instances back in the 1500s during the the invasion of Korea, um, Japanese, the Japanese would cut off the noses of the Koreans to show how many Koreans died. And then they would then create these temples to keep these noses inside of. That's, as their own property. That's such a weird part to take, honestly. Because I've, I've read a lot, and, you know, scalping's not uncommon uh, during... Not modern, but fairly modern. They would People would still run forward at an execution to dip handkerchiefs in the blood or steal a piece of the corpse's clothing and everything. So mm-hmm. it's that weird sort of historical, like, I was there, proof. The same way, like, people stole chips off the Berlin Wall. But yeah. I know it's more macabre than that, but people did it. But it's really strange to me that, like, you would cut off someone's nose. There's got to be some bizarre cultural reason for that that I'm not aware of. But even if you're going to do something gnarly like that, that's a very weird thing to take, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... Even the ear thing from Vietnam, it's not the first time that a thing like that has happened. Um that's why they invented dog tags, so you wouldn't have to do that. Um, yeah, I read in World War II it was an issue with people trying to send stuff home. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in World War II, there, uh, there are reports. It's, it is difficult, I think, to find pictures. I'll be honest, I didn't look for many because my brain couldn't take that. Um, but there's stories of lampshades and stuff being made out of Holocaust victims' bodies. Jesus. Um, the gold being pulled out of fillings and stuff. So it it's 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 done in a way and it's done to a people uh, to prove that they have the power. Like you're literally nothing but uh, an ingredient. Well, and I think it's to like which is, depersonalize you too. You're not a person, you're a yeah, thing at that it, point, right? It is. It is. It is the ultimate proof that, like, you're not, you're not a person, which is the most dehumanizing you can do, which allows you to continue to do atrocities to these people. So it's almost like they go hand in hand. When you get to a point that you are committing these atrocities against somebody, it's kind of already too far for you to stop doing these things to them. Because to you, they are not people any longer. Yeah, in order to get in that position, you've already mentally crossed that line, I guess. Absolutely. Um, and Wait. and that's something that's really... Com- my mom has my baby teeth. Do you think she thinks I'm not a person? You know... I'm a caller. <laughs> my mom has some of my baby hair. I guess it's like that's the I, Victorian I, like morning jewelry, though, right? Like It's I, weird because... I was going to say... God. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think that's more of I think that might lay inside in like the veneration idea because you think of like keeping like the ashes of a loved one, you know, or keeping grandma's dentures around. Like you keep those things because you loved them, and you know, grandma's dentures remind you of how every time she ate, you would hear her denture fall before her mouth closed. You know, because <laughs> we're so, dead to them because we're not cute anymore. <laughs> they kept our ashes, right? Or, like, you remember how, you know, Grandpa used to take his top denture out to scare the shit out of you when you would come visit. So you keep those around, maybe. So I do think, you know, there. yes, there's definitely a difference. I 
I don't know if I would trust your mom with your teeth because I, I know she's creepy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say I would say that our parents keeping our body bits as children is probably more along the lines of uh, them pretending to wish that we hadn't grown up. But now I bet now that they're old, they're really glad that we don't live with them. Right. It's just weird, though, that like the same thing, even the same parts kind of can have such a different motivation. It's like either they hate you or they love you. There is no middle ground. Oh, no, absolutely. Because you look at someone like Ed Gein, you know, if we're talking about the keeping human body parts as a power play, like uh, Ed Gein was not okay. Um, he killed two people and he robbed the graves of countless others um, and would scavenge shirts and shoes, jewelry, teeth, skin, hair, nails, vulva, nose, whatever he could get. Um, and he, he, when he was eventually caught, they, they did find a, a large number of human items in his house, uh, including made items, like you mentioned earlier, the nipple belt. Um, Which again, why nipples? If you're going to make a human belt, like, ew, but okay. Why out of nipples, man? You know, I thought about this for a second. And you remember those like 70s themed hippie belts where it's like... The Starburst. (laughs) Yeah, or like the leather dials that were like ornate and there was just a string of them strung along. I do. That were a belt. Maybe he was doing that. Yeah, you know what? That is honestly the best explanation I've ever heard. I accept that wholeheartedly. It's it's all I can think of. He actually now he made them wrong. He obviously didn't get on the internet and look at how you are supposed to make necro pants because he made a pair of leggings out of a female, which isn't going to get him any money according to Icelandic sorcerological legends. I'm very confused by him because when when you look at pictures, he looks all down homey. And when you read people's accounts of him, it sounds very much like, okay, well, he made things out of the corpses because he doesn't waste things. Especially when you see his home and he's like a full on hoarder. You think, well, okay, he was robbing these people for their money and killed these people for his complicated mother reasons. And then he didn't want to just waste them. But then when you look at what he made, it's like, what the fuck were you doing, bro? Like, some of his stuff is so well-crafted. Like, the seat cover, I would not look at that and go, that's a corpse. You made that from an old and moldy corpse. But then, like, the lampshade right. and, like, the nipple belt. Like, what are you doing? Or, like, the um, the window blinds on the actual oh. pole itself was a pair of lips. Like, that's not functional. It probably didn't look good. Um, I'm sure. It, I'm going to take the leap. It did not look good. He was obviously not okay. Um they found they found a lot of body parts i he had a box I of think they guessed nine of them that's the one that bothered me the most because i'm like why do you even want that that's not even like a picturesque thing like real talk if he'd gone in there and taken like skulls skeletons um teeth i i'm not saying i'm on board i'm not saying that's how i spend my weekend but like i can try to understand i kind of get what you're doing murder man but he took bizarre things, like left eyebrows. I mean, it's it's that unreasonable. No, he he literally did what my my grandfather used to do, which when he oh would, God. you know, well, no, like if something <laughs> broke or something was breaking, he would take it apart for parts, and then all of a sudden, Grandpa has like three hundred of these weird lug nut because one thing broke, you know, and like randomly, like why do you have all these doorknobs? Oh, we've replaced a bunch of doors, you know, like. It's like he did that with with the with a body, which once again I have to keep prefacing is not okay. First off, don't do that. That was ballsy. You said he Ed Gein did what my grandpa did, and then you had the longest pause. I did. <laughs> but you know what? Though what you're saying makes sense. But then I'm thinking, like, did he foresee a situation in which someone came to him and said, "Hey, me and seven of my friends broke our vulvas. Can you help me out?" 
No, like honestly, like think about a hoarder's compulsion isn't like I'm keeping this because I know exactly what I'm using it for. It's I'm keeping this because one day I may or may not need this empty mayonnaise container. Oh god. But like you're right, but I don't accept it and I don't like it. Of everything right. that no, he did I, take, he didn't take anything cool. He doesn't have bones. He doesn't have anything articulated. He didn't collect spines, no teeth. It's just all the nasty, moldy bits. Well, he he did use bones. He used skulls to make bowls. He Which is added cool. Skulls to, like the bedposts. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer kept skulls and like decorated them. That's different, as though. He wanted to fuck the dead people. That these were like him leaving dildos all over his house. No, yeah, not not the same. But I mean. It's been done. Yeah, but I disapprove um, of yeah. his. So, well, I disapprove of all of them. Um, <laughs> so Ed Gein <laughs> spent the rest of his life in an institution. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Valid. Duh. Um, he is the inspiration for Norman Bates, Hello Mommy Issues, Leatherface, duh. Yeah. And Buffalo Bill, um who I, I honestly think I quote Buffalo Bill easily once to twice a week. Is it that one line? Uh, no, it's different ones all the time. Like, uh, Austin was playing, uh, he was playing Skate the other day, which is a really old skateboarding game on the Xbox, and Goodbye Horses is playing in the menu. <laughs> so, I mean, I did perform that entire scene word by word, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, uh, I Wasn't that didn't Stacey realize Keach? until writing this. No, it's um, I can't think of his name. I'll find it. We'll add it to show notes or whatever, so people can look at it. He's a well-known actor. He's been in a few other things. Um, I just remember he's someone no, that looks really cuddly when he's old and has a mustache, but when he doesn't, when he's clean-shaven, he's full of menace. Yeah, he no, he's an actor that like can play very um, daddish roles, sympathetic person normally. And, which is, I think, actually works for the character in the film because obviously that's how he tricks people into helping him because he looks sympathetic and sad. At no point did he seem sympathetic in that movie. He was always Are imbued with a scary menace. No way. It, well, I mean, okay, in retrospect, as modern American women, <laughs> we understand that we are probably the least helpful person when a man in an arm cast is trying to load a sofa um in retrospect with 2020 vision haha uh, we can see how bad those decisions were but that's not a ploy that came out of nowhere side note that is a ploy that was used exclusively by Ted Bundy Who on is multiple not occasions. charming. No, fuck this. Stop no. immediately. We have we to talk a- about this. He is not charming. Everyone who listened no, to him not. was fucking stupid. I keep hearing that he's right. so charming and oh, he's so incredible. He tricked everybody. And you listen to anything he said or did and he's just dripping with creepy. And it's not right. it's well, not like knowledge that I have now because I know he's a scary man. Like there's lots of people where you listen to them and they are serial killers and you know what they did in detail and you're still like, ew, mm-hmm. believable. You're grossly believable. Not him. Well, no. And here and that's the thing is like I, I honestly actually do think it's part of a retrospect issue and it's psychological. It's a, it's a sociological thing. Women are trained to be helpful. So if we see somebody on campus, and I, I say this because I've seen you do this, if we see someone on campus who's walking and they drop, drop a book, you're going to pick that book up and offer to help them with it. Mm, yes. I've watched you do this <laughs> on more than one occasion. It's not how I think of myself, but I don't think you're wrong. Right. And, and, so, and so I don't think that the people that he talked to were necessarily... They didn't see him as a threat. He's a guy in a cast dropping a book who just needs help walking these books to his car. Now, mind you, in modern thinking on this, we would give them the book but wouldn't follow him to his car, let alone get inside of it. But it was the 70s. People were different. Hitchhiking was super popular. Whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, it wasn't that he was, like, super smart or super this or super that. Yeah, he was kind of creepy. He was, like, really socially awkward. Um, and in retrospect, everyone's like, yeah, he was weird as hell. But 
he knew exactly what to do to make people help him, which is like a superpower. I guess. I think I think I'm just bothered by that because I it really is not retrospective because I listen to Dahmer and I find him convincing and sympathetic. Like I feel bad mm-hmm. for Dahmer. I just think he's really messed up. But like I'm not saying it's okay what he did, obviously. But like you know, I, I do think I can understand how the police found him believable, even though when you read it, the case is ridiculous. I can understand kind of giving him a little bit of room because I think I would have too. He's so soft-spoken and articulate that I I think I would give him room. Um, Ted Bundy isn't that way, man. So it being a sociological thing and the simple fact that also this was a different era. You are correct. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't know. You didn't have the same weird news cycle where I'm aware of a murder that happened in Indiana. It's more local. So they had no idea the scope of things. No, they, they had no idea what he was doing in Utah. And then they had no idea what he had done in Florida. And well, and not so, even him, just uh, the facts. Like, you and I are aware, like, murders happen. We know that there are home invasions. We know right. most home invasions happen in the middle of the day, not the middle of the night. That kind of thing, because we had that statistical data in front of us, and they didn't. Right. I, I would say that the, I, I think the biggest difference that you're seeing between those two people are Ted Bundy is a narcissistic sociopath. And Jeffrey Dahmer is like a vanilla sociopath. Do you think he's a sociopath? I think most people that commit serial murder are probably sociopathic. I think that's they valid. Have some sort of so- so- sociopathy. I mean, because you have to, you have to, if we go right back to the whole exerting power over people, you have to be able to see other human beings as objects. Yeah. As not being their own sentient humans but as being no they're no different than the candle I have right next to me or a, you know my bottle of water that I ha- I'm sitting next to like their life and death whether it be in front of me or not does not affect me because they are not important to my world view of anything because I am the most important to my world view so yeah, I, I, I think they are. I think they all are. <laughs> no, I mean, your point's valid. I just, it's not that I make excuses for, because I absolutely think, like, you still deserve prison or death or, you know, whatever comes for you at that point. But I do, I think I have a hard time remembering that distinction. Because when you hear someone, especially the ones who are open about feeling remorse and feeling like, dude, I shouldn't have done that. That was a horrible thing that I did, but I did it and Mm -hmm. I'm sick and I'm really messed up and I'll do it again. There's a weird, it's not sympathy exactly, but I don't know. I, I believe in the validity of that. And I don't think you can be fixed necessarily. You have to be removed from society at that point. But I do think that, I don't know, I guess I can see it. No, that's valid because, like, okay, if we're pulling in more serial killers, Dennis Rader, who is BTK, cried and was apologetic. It's hard with him because he shouldn't have done this. I made a bad decision. Oh, no, he's terrible. We can do a whole thing about him. He's absolutely one of the worst, but he showed remorse during his conviction. Now, here's a question I think he tried to manipulate. is this remorse? And I, this is an open question, not just directed toward that specific case. Mm-hmm. The remorse that is seen when we think of Dennis Rader or that you feel when you see Jeffrey Dahmer is that remorse for I did these terrible acts and I am a bad person and I'm willing to take the punishment or, man, I really wish he hadn't caught that. Rader, I think 100% the latter. Dahmer and Ed Gein, I think 100% the former. I, I, and again, I don't think that this is not one of those things where I'm like, oh, no, they just have mental illness and should be treated. I don't think that you could cause that level of dysfunction in, an, in a human person, I, which means I don't mm-hmm. think you could solve it. it. It's something that's gone really, really wrong in their brain and their formation as people. So I'm not saying oh, yeah. like they're not responsible. I absolutely think you have to remove them up to and including uh, capital punishment but because they'll never be safe you can't fix that but I do think right. that in those two situations I think what you're hearing in my opinion is actual remorse for the compulsion they feel to do these kinds of things I, Ed Gein I think was so sick he didn't even understand that it wasn't okay and wasn't normal 
I think he was no, absolutely it, genuinely insane. Dahmer, I think, was just sorry he had such a disgusting compulsion. I, if I'm not wrong, which I'm probably not, I know for a fact Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy, and I'm pretty sure Ed Gein too, all had traumatic brain injuries to their frontal lobe. Oh uh, yeah, which is now is a super common like when now when we're looking in retrospect looking at you know all these different serial killers which we can talk about in all these different podcasts because i love talking about it a lot of them have had developmental issues based solely on traumatic brain injury to the frontal lobe because it's what stops you from saying hey maybe i should set this thing on fire the part of you that says hey that's a bad idea beth isn't there you know, I knew that Gein had a head injury. I think I remember that Dahmer did. I didn't know that about um, the other, and I guess I should have because I listened to enough things on him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, like, fell off a swing as a little kid. His whole upbringing is... The Night Stalker guy did, too. Massive brain damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh, yeah. Son of Sam did. The only actually scary um, person I've ever met in my actual life did, too. Yeah, no, it causes it causes a lot of it's like no um, impulse control. Yeah, you have none. You have you you don't know. Essentially, it's your your right and wrong function is not firing at a hundred percent. That's weird. So, uh, it's unfortunately very common. I want to say the disclaimer that not everybody that <laughs> has um, sociopathy or frontal lobe injuries is a serial killer. Oh, they no. are just things that are found in them. Well, it's, it's part, I mean, it's um, largely a decision, honestly. But, exactly. It, it's it's kind of a, I, I think as we're looking at science, it's becoming a combination of nature and nurture at the same time. Mm. Uh, and and injury. Um, but, yeah, so Ed, Ed Gein definitely um falls into that category of having kept human bits and pieces for power, pleasure, whatever. Um, and so I want to end the episode with us talking about what we do now with modern dead bodies. Um, I did a quick Google search to see all the different things you can do with the dead body, except bury it in the ground. Um, firstly, I, always want to suggest if you're interested in dead bodies mortician work anything like that uh please look up ask a mortician uh, i think there's a podcast and she has a youtube channel with a bunch of videos uh it's caitlin dowdy she's written three books um i find her incredibly pleasant and i like her bangs um and she's an advocate for uh like environmentally friendly ways of burying people she's uh doesn't embalm people because it's not necessary it doesn't make uh, sense really yeah it's very natural like in a wicker basket under a cotton cloth and you just become part of the earth again part of the cycle like we should and we're not embalmed and toxic and stuck in this lead line coffin forever that makes um, perfect sense though because the thing is like i mean it makes sense why they used to have to do it, but we have refrigeration now. They exactly. don't have to be preserved uh, like that. So she talks about in uh, one of her episodes, like water cremation, which is exactly what it sounds like. Your body is kind of uh, mixed with water over and over and over again. Ew. And a rapid, a rapid erosion process occurs. So all of your soft bits are gone. Ew. And then... And then they essentially put your bones inside of an autoclave type of device and then powderize them. So it produces less ash, cleaner ash. The carbon footprint is like a quarter of the carbon footprint of traditional burial and like an eighth of the carbon footprint of traditional cremation. And is it much more expensive? Um, so I thought that was very cool. Can I get my bones back? Like, if someone else dies, can I get their bones? Um, I think they have to crush them legally. That sucks. I know. Um, the other thing you can do with dead bodies is you can turn the ashes into diamonds. Which is so cool! I would turn you into a diamond. Thank you! I would rather you wear, um, like, my pinky finger around your neck in, like, a reliquary. Thank you. 
can I just wear a diamond that is made out of you around my pinky finger? I mean, I'll accept it, but no, it's not nearly as cool. I love it. Um, there's a company that makes picture frames out of ash, and it just kind of looks like a resin picture frame with sand in it. It's not as exciting. I kind of like it, as though. It should have been. But everyone's going to be like, oh, this is such a cute beach picture frame. You're like, actually, that's my mom. I, you know what, though? I I think it's kind of nice because there's a morbidity to the urns of ashes. And realistically, if yeah. you live long enough, you're going to drop that son of a bitch. And that's going to oh, yeah. be traumatic for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, you can actually work ashes into the liquid glass of a of stained glass. So as they're forming it, they can roll the liquid ball of glass in the ashes of a loved one and then continue making your stained glass piece, which I think is beautiful. Agreed. Um, they can also do that same technique and create paperweights. So you can have like a little grandma paperweight. All of these are better um, than being burned or buried. I think so, too. Um, you can actually have your ashes made part of a coral reef, so you can help the environment, and we can get rid of your body at the same time. I like those. I think those are super cool looking, too. They do the cool designs. Do they do? It's really neat. Um, you can also have your ashes made part of, like, a seed pod for a tree. I tried to get my mom to eat my ashes. She will not agree. <laughs> I like how you live in a world where you're dying before her. I mean, I don't know if you won't do it. And Stephen (laughs) definitely won't. My mom's my only hope. Ugh, yuck. No one's eating I'm going to sneak into your food. I'm going to ask Stephen to sneak me in. (laughs) He would never. He might. Um, And then... And then the last thing you can do that I saw on the internet, the last thing you can do with your body that I love is... You can have yourself shot into space for a year. Cool. So, uh, James Doohan, who played Scotty on the original Star Trek, he died. And in 2008, his family paid SpaceX a substantial amount of money to shoot him up into space for a year. And he was shot up into space with 300 other people's remains. And the rocket malfunctioned and crashed back on Earth. Aww. But four years later, SpaceX made it right. They took Scotty and those 300 other individuals, shot that rocket right back up into the air, and it stayed for a full year. What happens is as the rocket loses gravity, or as the rocket is pulled back into the atmosphere from Earth's gravity, it will burn up on its descent. And so the ashes just end up getting burned into the atmosphere. They cease to exist, but you spent a year up in space, which is longer than most of us get to spend there. So Super I thought that was cool. pretty cool. Um, and then the last act, this is the last thing you can do with your body. And I added this for you <laughs> is you can donate your body to a body farm, to science. Cool. Um, there are seven body farms in the United States right now, they're all um, they're all run by different universities. The one that I know the most about that I think might be the oldest is the one from the University of Tennessee. It's just outside of Knoxville. Mm-hmm. They have a large farm uh, owned by a private owner. At least it was the last time I saw a documentary about it. And they use both donated and leftover cadavers, so unclaimed cadavers. But they try to use donated cadavers more. Um, and they put them in various areas on the farm. There's swampy areas, there's lake, there's river, there's dry areas, there's there's areas with higher grass, there's more tree-lined areas, more direct sun areas, areas with rockier um, soil, with more clay soil, with more alkaline soil. What they're doing is they're using our donated bodies to uh, study the changes in decomposition, which aids in forensic investigations. Um, They also will keep some bodies underneath, like, these kind of, like, chain-link cages to keep animals away, but they will also leave bodies out in the open to encourage animals to do their natural thing. They have entomologists come out 
and study the life cycles of the larvae and everything that are on the bodies so they can make the best guesstimation if we find this bug on the body at this time you know we can guesstimate death was this time um, I just like that someone would but, have to watch me like I get to traumatize someone on my way out I know that you and I have watched the same documentary. In fact, I think we may have watched it together. And it is. They show, like, they show corpses. Well, I hope they I show make corpses, someone like, throw up. <laughs> so, you already do. Bitch. <laughs> um, but, like, they, they show corpses in various stages, including stages where they're so bloated that they're, the clothes are breaking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the ultimate the ultimate way if i'm not gonna get shot into space that's what i'm doing i super approve of it honestly like it just seems like the most reasonable thing to do i promise i'll donate i'm you. not I will i'm fight not using often. it anymore like maybe i'll be like hey cut my tattoo off and put it on a book but then <laughs> give the rest to me to tennessee that's so cool you I, I actually i didn't write it down but there are services air quotes services i haven't found a reputable one i don't want that in my internet search history where you can elect to have your tattoos taken off and preserved and then like bound on top of a book or in a picture frame or something so if you have a tattoo that you really love you can keep it for your family i promise you i will google that i will take the search history hit you should because i don't need the sponsored ads that come with i desperately want them so no problem (laughs) I'm like, I'm not even concerned about like the FBI or the CIA thinking I'm a big weirdo because there's way more things that I've looked on the internet that they could judge me on. But uh, yeah, I don't want, I don't want the sponsored ads for that. (laughs) I'm okay. You don't want Alexa to think you're a weirdo. Yeah. Like I know I'm weird. I don't need my AI also being like, Hey, are you okay? (laughs) Has, has quarantine got to you? Lime is on sale as is a bone saw. Oh God! I I did notice that you ordered three rolls of duct tape. <laughs> it's just DIY waxing, man. Pandemics are real. <laughs> Whoever's hearing this, please don't DIY wax anything. Just use some tweezers and just live in the knowledge of knowing that we all look like you do right now. <laughs> That's the person in front of you with all that duct tape. Except for the woman who normally waxes you. She looks good as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Your your nail girl, she looks fucking great. Her eyebrows are a mess. I'm three seconds away from cutting my own hair. Please let me do it. I mean, I do it on my own. You just want me to give you my hair, which I'm not going to do. Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of trophies. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Gross. I like how every episode ends in you begging to take my body. Not not like that, though. <laughs> not romantically. No, not. Not, in the, not. So you're saying not in the biblical sense? Yeah, not for that purpose. <laughs> I don't want to capitalize. I took her body. In the non-biblical sense. Yeah, I want to put it in like a cupboard. That sounds like a euphemism. If you're too. gonna, if you're gonna steal my body after death, you better fucking weekend at Bernie's me and not leave me in a goddamn cupboard. <laughs> I'm a homebody. Being in my cereal like, cupboard is the same thing as going to a party with me. But straight up, if you're gonna steal my corpse, you put it to good use. You make a fun time out of it. You do not keep me in a cupboard. I promise you I will make jewelry out of you. I No, you at least need to do one weekend at Bernie's. Like, just take me to the coast and be like, oh, yeah, she's just really wasted. I'll take you to Cambria. You'll fit right in with the Roddy seals. Oh, my God. It'll be You'll fine. be like, I just found her like this. It's fine. Yeah, this is it's, fine. She's fine. <laughs> no, that's how she that's how she normally smells. Don't worry. She's just spicy, man. It's fine. She quit using she quit using deodorant in her thirties, so she's like real natural. It's alright. Oh, it's a plan. It's good. It's a good plan. Okay, 
and I will do the same for you. If for some reason I feel compelled to steal your corpse, we will have a weekend at Bernie's Adventure. Thank you. You're a good friend. I will probably lose you, though. I will lose you, though. I just need you to know that I'll lose you. I accept it. I accept this. All right. All right. Uh, Do we have any final thoughts on Necropants, on the keeping of human trophies, on serial killer psychology, or uh, shooting our ashes into space? I think I'm good. I think I'm good, too. So, uh, we're going to sign off, and... uh, Hopefully you liked it. If you did, please rate our podcast. Subscribe if you'd like to, because we'll just keep pumping these out until we can't do it anymore. Um, We have a Facebook page at On A Tangent Pod. We are on Instagram at On A Tangent Pod. And our email is linked in the show notes if you want to talk to us about anything probably pertinent to the episode. But frankly, anything. Maybe we'll respond. We might not, but maybe we will. Give us your teeth. Um... Don't do that, please. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> Send Beth your teeth. Yeah, you don't want me to uh, be happy. It's fine. We'll, we'll find a P.O. box. But thank you for listening, and uh, we hope you tune in next time. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>